sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. We hallow your name this morning. You are God. You are seated on the circle of this earth. You are sovereign. Your ways are not our ways, neither are our thoughts your thoughts, because you are God. Jehovah Almighty, be exalted. God, who does not need any consultation with anybody before you do what you want to do. God of goodness and God of mercy, blessed be your name. This morning we come before your throne. Speak to us, Lord. Give us life-giving words that emanate from your very heart. Let your will be done. And Lord, use this vessel in a way that you see fit. Jesus, you died for your people. I have never died for your people. And you know your purpose for them this morning. Please, Holy Spirit, let it be fulfilled. I ask you for grace. I ask you for the anointing. I ask you for ability and utterance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, I want to speak to you about the spirit of servanthood. The spirit of servanthood. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Don't worry, I won't be long. It's not like, it's not like a whole day meeting like yesterday, okay? <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. Are you there? We are reading from verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also 
have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hallelujah. Now, in the church of God, most of us don't think of ourselves as servants. And it is an age-old problem because James and John, they wanted to book the seats by Jesus. I will be on the left, and then this one will be on the right. And Jesus asked them, are you ready to drink the cup that I have drunk? And their mother answered for them that, oh, that's what the cup is easy, they can drink. But when the crucifixion came, we saw that they were all nowhere to be found. So sometimes you may think that you are something, but you are not that. Jesus said that the people of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And anybody who is great is a lord, but not so with you. He says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn, learn, learn to be the servant of all. Amen. One thing that runs through the epistles of the Bible is Paul will write a letter. And even though he was an apostle, he had met Jesus on the way to Damascus. He had heard the voice of the Lord. He had seen great lights around him. He was not taught by any man. He was in the Arabian deserts for 14 years. The Lord spoke to him directly. He had, he had been translated to the third heavens. And he says he cannot even speak of the things in the third heavens. But every time he was introducing himself in the epistles, he says, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus. Paul, a servant of God, called by God. James, a servant. Peter, a servant. That was the first line of introduction. But in the church of God, we do not introduce ourselves as servants. We introduce ourselves as executive. I have a friend in her church. She's the first lady of her church. She's called executive mama. Amen. So, working with God, ministry, and everything has become more about position, whether I'm recognized, whether I do something that I'm seen on stage, whether I do something that people feel I'm important. I may not be important, but the perspective must be that I'm important. And the spirit of servanthood is getting lost. In the church of God. And Jesus said that if you want to be great. Then learn to be the servant. So that the people of the Gentiles. They lord it over them. But as for you. 
If you want to be great, don't do that. And the Bible says that when he was leaving his disciples, one of the remarkable signs he left for them was that he took off his garments and put a towel around him. And he used that same towel to wipe the dirty feet of these disciples. Each one of them. And Peter was so overcome. I said, Lord, don't, wa- don't wash my feet and wipe them. And Jesus said, let me do it. Because it is an example to you. You know? And he used that towel that was around him to wipe their feet. Some of us, we don't want certain things to touch us. How much more? You know, I can use a towel to wipe your feet. But that what is geared around me should be the same towel that I use to wipe your feet. It's a problem. And when he said that Peter, you know, always preposterous said, Oh, then bath me from my head to my... But that was not the essence. It was to show a spirit of service and servanthood. And Paul, in writing to the Philippians, says, Let nothing, not some things, let nothing be done through strife. Strife. You are doing the thing, it has a spiritual name, but the label on it is strife, and it's not of God. Let nothing be done through strife, fighting, arguments, issues, divisions, nothing. Sometimes we are going to do evangelism, but it's done through strife. Nothing. And many times we feel that when things have a spiritual label, it means that it's godly, but it does not mean that. It may have a spiritual label, but it's not a godly thing. Let nothing be done through strife. And women can fund strife. We are good at that. Because we tend to be emotional. It's not always bad to be emotional. But there's a flip side of it. And being so emotional, we end up being petty. And being so petty, we end up in strife. Why did you give me that look? Why did you tell me to stand in the second row? Why didn't I sing the lead song? Is it about being a star? Is it about being glorified? Even sometimes when people are preaching, they forget that they are preachers. They think they are stars, movie stars or... Once they stand on stage, you forget that the person you should ask, what word should I preach is God. Not what will excite the people, but what God wants his people to hear. Let nothing. So sometimes you may be doing good, but the Bible says... Let not your good be evil spoken of. So you may be doing good, but it is evil spoken of. And then when we ask you, you'll be quoting verses. But remember, Satan also quoted verses to Jesus in the wilderness. Amen. So sometimes you are doing something, you are quoting verses, but it doesn't mean it's godly. Let nothing. Not a few things. Not some things. Let nothing be done through strife. If it's true strife, don't do it. I have had many opportunities to have strife in my life. I've shared some of them in various messages. 
Sometimes church members have been damn right rude to me. Rude. Sometimes the people who have been rude have later been brought by other pastors. That, oh, this lady, she has this problem. And I thought you were the best person to speak to her. And as the lady sat down, the lady pastor was going to introduce her to say, oh, lady, whoever her name is. And I said, oh, I know her name. And the lady said, oh, so you remember me? I said, how can I forget you? How? Later, I realized that she had a myriad of problems and situations, which the Holy Spirit had told me about. And as I began to speak to her, to minister to her, she just broke down. She was crying, overcome by her issues. So the reason why she had attacked me with strife and all that was because she herself had baggage she had not dealt with. But if I also jump on the bandwagon, do you know who I am? Do you know when I joined the church? I joined from its inception. And you, you have now just come. And you want to lord it over me. Because what? The only thing is, I went to do deep sea fishing. So I said, sister, hello, how are you? Is this your first time in the church? Oh, I said, oh, I've been coming for a while. So have you thought of joining a ministry? Why? You just saw me join a ministry. You just get up and you talk anyhow. Hey. And believe me, that morning, I didn't feel like speaking. You know, there are some mornings you just feel like being with your quiet self and just. But I said, look, I'm a pastor. Let me reach into the sea and see what is there. And when I brought the, the, the it was a sea cat. <laughs> and the person was, the person was giving it to me wholeheartedly. I was really sure. In fact, I even had tears in my eyes. And then the Holy Spirit said, you know, a lot of people, they have issues, baggage, and you just have to. And then after that, months have passed, and she's brought to me that, oh, I thought that, you know, she really needs help in this area, and you've dealt with many people in this area. So I thought that you could really help her. And she's coming meek and mild. Let nothing, nothing be done through strife. And vain glory. Sometimes it's other lady pastors who have wrapped me the wrong way. Sometimes you feel people have taken advantage of you. I'm not saying don't correct it. You may try to correct, but the thing can spill into a certain strife. You see, the Bible says that the, the, the beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. Before you know it's a flood. Let nothing be done through strife. They didn't ask you to sing the lead. And so what? David was in the desert and all his brothers were at home when Samuel came. And they called him to, they called each one. Samuel said, surely is this one, he's handsome. Surely is this one, he has a good physique. Surely is this one. Nobody remembered him. But God sent a word that, I have somebody in the back desert and don't sit down till that person has come. So you may feel forgotten, but the person to whom your service is, is God. And not to any man. And when you do that, you will have a good spirit. Because you won't say that as I'm preaching to her, look at how she's behaving. As I'm ministering to her, look at her flexing her mask. You will see, you will see God more than the person. It's not always easy. You cry, but you continue. Amen. Let nothing be done through strife. You are in the choir. They say, we are wearing daughter cloth. As for me, I want to wear green. <laughs> strife. Strife, strife, and vain glory. I look better in uh, orange. 
I'm not wearing any daughter cloth. Why should they say daughter cloth for the women's ministry? We should now write thesis. And write 50 reasons why. Before you will conform. Let nothing, nothing be done through strife. Do you think that God doesn't want his church to march for it? He wants the church to march for it. But he knows that when the foundation is not good, you just go and then you will crumble. So he says, don't do anything through strife. There's too much strife sometimes in the choir. There's too much strife sometimes in the ashes. There's too much strife in the church. Everybody has an opinion. If we are to vote democratically, which one will we do? The church is a theocracy. Christ-centered. It is not a political party. We don't have conservatives and liberals. We follow what the leader says. Amen. You can have your views because you are human. You can have your ideas. But when your ideas are not taken, it's okay. Does it lead to strife and vain glory? Glory that is vain. You understand? Pride that is not based on anything or will not achieve anything. That's vain glory. And these are the two things that the Bible says, let nothing be done through that. Do you know that when Jesus was on earth, people wanted to make him a political hero? And that when he said he was going, the disciples thought that it meant that he was going to now Esther said, Lord, will you now establish the kingdom? You see, you've been healing and all that, but we want somebody to deliver us from this romance. You know, that's our, our, our idea of what a savior should do. Not somebody to save us from our sins and our iniquities. We want somebody who will give us political power. You know, and many times they wanted to come and catch him and make him a political hero, which was not God's way. And that would have led to vain glory because people will now be Crazy, you say, oh, now you're on the right track. Now you are doing what should be done. But what about what God wants? Let nothing, nothing be done through strife and vain glory. Ask your friend sitting by you, do you have a servant spirit? <laughs> but in lowliness of mind, in lowliness of mind, it starts from the way you think. It starts from the way you process. It, star- it starts from the way your mind is renewed. In lowliness of mind. You see, pride is not something you see. And so the, in the church, the four big sins are what? Fornication, adultery, stealing, lying. But Satan fell through pride. And pride is a very subtle thing. And the Bible says that there are seven things that are abominable to God. The first one is a proud look. Amen. And pride is often hidden in the heart. So you may even look so meek and mild, but God knows that you are puffed up like cocoa puffs. When they put you in the milk, you just bloat. In lowliness of mind. Always tell yourself like Paul, I'm just a servant. I'm just a privileged servant of the living God. I'm not anything so great. It's just the grace of God that has put me where I am. It's just the grace of God that puts me on stage for people to listen to me. And when you look, what, what, which of the things you are saying is your own word? 
If, but for the Bible, you won't have anything to say. But for the verses, you will be standing here from the, um, um, you, you don't have any wisdom for us to operate our lives. It is the word of God that God has put in your mouth just by a privileged position in lowliness of mind, which nobody can see. Nobody knows how you think. Nobody knows how you process. But you know. And God knows. And it starts from changing the way you think. Look, I have been in the church before most people. When the church was five members, I was there. At that time, you had not been conceived, Canada Church, or even thought of. Or even imagined. Because as we were five, whenever we went for prayer meetings, there was never a prayer meeting that that helped us to prosper. There was no prayer topic like that. There was no prayer topic that helped us to do well, helped us to flourish, helped us to go into other nations. There was nothing like that. Because God gives you visions in bits. So we're just praying, Lord, lead us to the souls and let them be established. In a small room in Accra, Ghana. School of hygiene. My husband used to carry the uh, uh, piano, the organ, small. Because he has bought it with his small pocket money to help the church. You know, and he was a medical student. And he had no comeliness about him. He was very thin. But for me, he had a lot of comeliness. <laughs> and I would go to these meetings with Bishop Saki and co. After that, after the prayer meeting, we would go for dawn broadcast door to door. We would preach the word. I did everything you can think of in the church. We used to wipe the floor, arrange the chairs, do ushering, do remember the poor. And because the church was small, I counseled everybody. You didn't have to say you have a need. I will call you. <laughs> because I needed pastoral work to do. So I will call you and counsel. How is your Christian life? So how are you getting on with God? How is your word life? So do you think your prayer life is improving? What about relationships? And one sister, you know, Sister Hannah Brock was among those few nurses. I remember. And once I asked her, I said, how is your relationship? She said, it's okay. She was quite by heart, more by heart than. And then I said, I hope you are not fornicating. And she said, no. Sister Man, what about you? I... <laughs> I was taking her back and I said, oh no, by the grace of God. So anyway, I was there when the church started and went through all that it went through. I was an announcer. I was different things. Then as the church began to grow, they started to ordain pastors and all that. Now, they ordained at the beginning more male pastors. And then later, they ordained female pastors. But the female pastors, I wasn't regarded as the first lady pastor or pastor to work in the church. There was nothing like that. So the people who came later, like Lady Pastor Louisa, Lady Pastor BDR, I was made a pastor with them on the same day. And it didn't occur to me as anything, but other people asked me, ah, but these little girls, they just joined the church. How come they are being appointed as pastors with you? On the same day, and it was in these moments that I learned this verse, let nothing, nothing be done through strife or vain glory. So, okay, so you are the first LP, so that what? Vain glory. And if you decide to stand up and shake yourself, the whole system will just go like that. 
But the Lord ministered to me that, you are my servant. What are you looking for? Is it title? Is it, or you want my kingdom to march forward and my work to be done? I said, Lord, I just want your work to be done. I just want your kingdom to march forward. And then as the church went on, so all these people, remember, I've counseled them, prayed for them, and then we are made pastors on the same day. As time went on, ordination also came. And I was ordained on the same day with all these people. But what the Lord said to me was that it's not the ordination of the ceremonies. It's your specific assignment that I have given you to do. And I, God, know how to bring it to pass. Now, if I was to deal on my history, my CV, how long I've been, how this I am, hey, I should be Pope by now. Amen. And even when the ordination was coming on, they wrote the names and all that. And I told my husband, I don't want to be ordained. He said, why? I said, the name Reverend is too big. Reverend. Hey, are we not all sinners saved by grace? Reverend. It means something of reverence. And then he said that if you don't allow yourself to go ahead in ministry, you will block other people's chances. You can't just stand there and say, that's for you. you do. I said, oh, but I've not said you can't ordain the others. And I even asked my other friends, Mrs. Saki, I said, great friend, can you carry? She said, oh, I want to go ahead in the ministry. I'm happy to be ordained. As Lady Pastor Joy, she said, yes, you must go ahead. So I said, what's wrong with yours truly? Let nothing, nothing be done through strength. There are things that they do in the church, they forget about me. And when I say, oh, I didn't know that. Ah, we thought we had told you. We thought you knew. And it keeps occurring. But what will keep you in your place? What will keep you focused? Because what happens is that you will now tend to fight things and leave the main thing that God has given you to do. And that is a trick of the enemy. And you must not fall into that snare. In lowliness of mind. In lowliness of mind. How do you process? How do you think? How do you think about yourself in secret? That hey, I'm now an international speaker. I'm wow. I preach on every continent. I'm really, now I've arrived. Where? Till Jesus comes, where have you arrived? Even Paul said, I keep my body under and I make it serve me. Lest after preaching Christ, I might be a castaway. Let nothing, nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Even just this ISI that has just ended. Every time, you know, before, we'll be having events, and then I would say to the TPTBs, don't tell them I told you. My husband and his two bishops, I call them TPTBs, the powers that be. <laughs> because even when they are sitting in front, and the choir is singing, Sound. Hey, hey, I said, relax, why? The power is that be. Anyway. So when I would tell them, oh, it's homecoming. I think that we should have an opening ceremony to commemorate the event in the past. Oh, no, 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 there's no time. We can't have any opening ceremony. We are going and we, uh, how long is the word? No, we don't. So, the first time, I asked them. Said, no, 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 you are now, you said that 
you need flags for different nations and all the, who is going to bear that cost? I said, the church, of course. We don't have money for that. Our budget is very, blah, 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 blah. So, I said, okay, I'll raise it myself. So I went to my business elders. I am their shepherd. And I said, I want to buy flags of all the nations that Lighthouse is in. And have a flag. Oh, good idea. We'll sponsor you. So they helped me. And then the day came. That day we used to have a synod before you have the event. So during the synod and after the synod, eh? you say you are doing what? Opening what? At what time? Okay, hurry up. Are you now going home to change? Then when will you? Pressure. Anyway, the day came. The time came and we went on stage. And we did all our flag parade, our this and that. Then everybody stood up and they were clapping and people were so moved. And then I saw the three also standing up and clapping and saying, powerful, go ahead. And so after that, Bishop went upstage. He said, oh, this is all my wife's idea. Me, I don't think about such things. Shall we give the major, a mega clap to my wife? She's very powerful. And now it has come to stay. That now even ISI, he was nudging me a few years ago. Why don't you have opening for ISI? You must have opening. You must, I said, hey, is this the same people? <laughs> Who had faced, I even felt sorry. And then I was asking myself, ah, but I'm just trying to do this to enhance the ministry and for the kingdom of God. So if, why are they facing me? Then I should stop. Then the Holy Spirit said to me, your service is not to your husband, it's to me. You want to make all things beautiful for my kingdom's sake. So reorient your thinking and think properly. Amen. And this ISI that just passed, I looked at the program and I saw that they have not even put opening ceremony. So I said to my husband, one of his secretaries there, is it because opening ceremony is not important? You, you didn't put it. Oh, it's not that. But you know, I said, so now I don't know where on the program, how long it is, when, you know, and it's all leading me to be confused. And I don't know. Oh, sorry, we didn't know. We didn't think about it. I said, every year you don't think about it. How often will I go on forgiving you? And she said, forgive. <laughs> but I said, you know, We'll just go into the meeting. When we, when I got into the meeting, it had started. The speakers had started to preach, whatever. And then my people were sending me texts. So at what stage do we start? So at what, you know. So I said, oh, I'm just going to relax in God's own good time. So I told Bishop Saki. So after the first two speakers, then they called for the opening ceremony. And then we just went on. Because what? I don't feel that I'm any great person. Why should I be shoved aside? Why didn't they put me on the timetable? Which means that they don't value me. Your thought processes. Which means that as for me, my input is not regarded. Thought processes. Lowliness of mind. Lowliness. Under there. Low, low. Lowliness of mind. Let each esteem the other better than himself. Hey, it's not human. It takes a divine to think that somebody is better than you. Hey. Even when you are crying, you say, do you think you are better than I am? You say it. It's something that comes to you. That, do you think you are better than I am? Yes, she thinks so. Who do you think you are? Do you think you are better than I am? But if you have loneliness of mind, those words will not even come out of your mouth. Because you just say, I'm just a servant. A privileged servant to be here. 
to be used by God. It doesn't matter. You know, human behavior can be so disturbing. And human nature can lead you out of God, out of church, out of everything. But we don't serve God because we are perfect or human beings are perfect. But we serve God because he is in charge and he is in control. Amen. Lowliness of mind. And it is not a one-time thing. It won't just end that, oh, when you were made pastor, you had to walk in loneliness of mind. No. As you go along, the loneliness of mind will always confront you. Sometimes it can even be a daily thing. Esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind is the battlefield. The way you think is what makes you. The way you think about God. You see, some of you, you don't see yourselves as a servant of God. You see yourselves as you are Lord. You see, you sing, you are Lord, you are Lord. You mean yourself. <laughs> it's true. The essence of giving our lives to Jesus Christ is for him to become Lord of our lives. But many of us, we accept him as Lord, but we don't give him the Lordship. When you are deciding on marriage, you don't ask him. You are not a servant. You are a Lord in that area. When you are deciding on giving, you are not a servant. You are a Lord in that area. When you are thinking of any plans that you have, it doesn't even occur you to, occur to you to ask him because you are not a servant. You are not a servant of God like Paul. You don't, you don't think about what your master thinks. What is his opinion? What is his will? It's not part of your thing. It's what is my will? What is my desire? What are my plans? The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. So, let this mind be in you. The same mind, mentality, has come up again. Which was in Christ Jesus. Who, though being equal with God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The Bible says, he humbled himself. Humility does not come through prayer. It's something you do. The Bible doesn't say, pray that angels will help you humble. It says, you, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So humility is something that you choose to do. Amen. Verse 7, he made himself of no reputation. Hey, we all love reputation. A reputed organization, a reputed company, a reputed bank. We all say it in adverts, a reputed this. Even your CV, I'm a reputed this and that. You must hire me because I have these skills and this, this, this. in the church of God, it doesn't work. He made himself of no reputation. It's not something God makes you. You can pray for grace to do it, but at the end of the day, the bottom line is we have to make ourselves of no reputation. I always tell people who work in my office, because sometimes I need a lot of volunteers. As so many guests come with the big conferences, and we have to feed so many. You know, sometimes like homecoming, we may have to feed like 600, 700, 500. So when I see some of the branches with your 10 and your 20, and you are freaked out, and hey, I'm doing everything, and 20, come. <laughs> we will accept you gladly. And as they come, and even I aside, the different preachers from different parts of the world, 
Australia, Ethiopia, uh, where Madagascar, all different needs and all that. We need some volunteers to help us. So we have a meeting before, a preparation meeting. And I say, you know, this department, there's no madam here. I said, we don't have madamism. Lady Reverend, Lady Reverend, please, what is that? I said, oh, we don't cross our finger, our, our, our legs and put our hands in the air and then just say, take that jag. Do the, we don't do that. We are hands on people. We wipe floors. We are shouted at. We are shouted at fully. Because when I'm under pressure, it's not easy. Hey, you, bring the glasses. You, move here. Where's the food? Hit it. Hey, but why? Do you know who I am in my house before I came to volunteer? We don't have that. So I, pre- I, 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 I prepare them before. So that if that happens, you know, when water spills, I myself am wiping. You too, you are wiping. And do you know what that has led to? They have come into contact with all the great men of God. Whether it's Dr. Fred Price, whether it's Yongi Cho, and most of the time, after that, the people say, we want to bless your workers. Sometimes they kneel down and they pray over them. Sometimes they are just going, they raise their hands and speak a blessing. Under normal circumstances, they will not meet such great men. Because you are in the church, you are in the congregation. But the wiping of the floor, the bringing of the glass, the doing of the, brings them before great men. Great men. Kirk Franklin came to Ghana and then came to the Kodesh. And my, I wasn't there. My staff were telling, oh, we gave him water, we gave him tea, we fellowship. But people were queuing. Oh, autograph. My staff don't have to queue. So, please, can you sign? Oh, happily. Happily, what's your name again? Then they write a verse and then they are going. It brings you before great men. By you. You are always going for all night, prophetic, whatever, and you are not entering into the things God has for you. Because the spirit of servanthood is not there. Amen. Amen. See, that's for me. I'm the first lady of lighthouse. I don't wipe floors. I don't. Once we had a pastor's meeting, not lighthouse pastors, family lighthouse, people who want to be affiliated to light. They had a conference. And then they were having lunch. So I was standing behind one of the things to give out food, one of the uh, shafers that they serve from. So when the pastor's got, oh, oh, madam, it's you. Oh, I didn't find it strange because my lighthouse pastor, they don't say that. They don't say that. Oh, they say, oh, mommy, more meat, more veg, more. But these people were like, oh, it's you. How, how, how can you serve? And I'm not used to it. I said, hey, you are not like my pastors. My pastors, they are very some way. They'll rather say, we want more. And then at the end of that, Bishop Saki came and they said to Bishop Saki, one of the greatest things about this conference is to see that Bishop's wife can do rise out to us. For us in our setup, it's not a big deal. But for them, they have never seen that before. They were so touched, you know, and they talked about it. Whereas we who were doing it, because I told you my lighthouse people, every conference, shuffling, I used to feed them and I used to be there. And they will happily be telling me, add some stew. Oh, mommy, is there not shit? But these people... These people were not used to it. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Many marriages break because there's no spirit of servanthood. Nobody wants to serve anybody. Nobody wants to bend and yield to anybody. My mother-in-law told me something. She said that 
If you don't bend, you break. But if you bend, you just yield. You just flow like that. But if you don't bend, you break. Amen. It says, let each esteem the other's things also as important. The reason why marriages fail is because you are always looking at only your needs. You are so self-centered. What I want, yield, fruit of marriage, yield, guava, olive, and this for me. But as for service, no. I'm not going to serve anybody, especially a man. I'm a woman of the millennium. I'm a corporate woman. I'm climbing the ladder. But service is beautiful. The woman who wiped Jesus' feet is just service. The great disciples were all standing there. And she broke her alabaster box and wiped with her hair. And Jesus said she had done a good work. She had done a good work. Service. Serving your way to the master's heart. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Those of you who are not married yet, let this mind be in you. Don't say, why am I always doing things for him? Why am I? The Bible says that wives submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord. You are looking to the wrong person for your reward. It's unto the Lord. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. There are times when husbands don't deserve your love. I agree. There are times when they misbehave, misbehave. But sometimes the roles also turn and you also misbehave big time. We are, it's a shift. Do you understand? Everybody is running their shifts. So he's on duty for this month. <laughs> But if you don't have loneliness of mind, you can't marry. You cannot. Especially in Ghana where the men come and say, what will you eat? Anything. And you produce anything and they say, is there not something else? It takes loneliness of mind. It takes loneliness of mind. Amen. It takes loneliness of mind in the bedroom. Marriage is a humbling thing. And I always say, you see, when I see the young girls, they'll be telling me, why this one? Why? She just got married and she's lost her whole figure. Lady Reverend, what's wrong with her? This one, she, I said, take your time. <laughs> Sister, you haven't reached there yet. Take your time. And surely, when I see them afterwards, I see something has struck them. I said, are you the same person? Loneliness of mind. Just have a, a certain mind that, you know, I don't know everything and I've not experienced this before. So, you know, let me take it easy. Even when you are correcting people, loneliness of mind. Loneliness. Take it easy. Because there are certain roads you haven't walked on before. <laughs> Do you understand? There are certain things. I mean, sometimes when I look at my husband, I even feel sorry for him. He has so much. 1,200 branches in 57 countries. Thousands of pastors with all their issues. It takes the grace of God. So when he comes home sometimes, and I feel that he's telling me something, he should have said it in a, more, a gentler way. And then he just says it in a way that, I just feel that this man, he's under a lot of stress. He should be happy. I won't even bother to even respond. So sometimes I would rather say that, oh, you must be very tired. What would you like to drink? 
oh, I'd like some orange juice and some whatever. And then I just go and get it for him and proceed with my life. Because lowliness of mind must work. And some of you single ladies, you haven't married because God knows you are not ready. Because the nonsense in marriage, you don't have the loneliness of mind for it. God knows it. The nonsense in marriage, you are not ready. And even when you hear married people's issues, you say, what? And what did you tell him? You mean, you mean you took that? You mean he said that? Or if it were me, you know? You are not ready. You think you are ready because your heart is going bling bling, but in reality, God knows that if you marry today, you will divorce tomorrow. God knows it. Loneliness of mind. When you are asleep, you say, I'm a very gentle sleeper. I don't want any disturbance, lady pastor. I always program my whatever. You are not ready to marry, baby. Because there's no programming. <laughs> Loneliness of mind. So one lady, she was asleep and then her husband was calling her calling. She said, who is that? And the husband said, an armed robber. Who else is in the house with you? <laughs> Loneliness of mind. Esteem the other. Better than yourselves. He made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant. He wasn't a servant, but he put upon himself the form. The form. The look of a servant. He was their Lord. But he took upon him the form. The form of a servant. You know, it's pride that even makes us react when people talk to us rudely. Why do you talk to me like that? What do you mean by talking to me like that? It's all pride. Loneliness of mind will let you see, oh, we are all clay. We all go into the earth one day. We all be eaten by maggots. So sometimes you even wonder why people are so proud. And especially the pride that's not based on anything. Idiopathic pride. My husband calls it. He took upon him. Again, he took upon him. He took. He took. The honors is on you. He took upon him the form of a servant. Amen. And was made in the likeness of men. Oh. Divinity became humanity. It's not easy. Oh. The likeness of men is really some way. I always say we should thank companies like Procter and Gamble and Unilever and things. Because they help overcome our humanity. Because we don't have to do anything to smell. As soon as we sleep overnight, our mouths stink, our bodies stink, everything stinks. We are just so decaying and we don't all the time. We stink naturally. But some of us behave as if when we wake up, we don't need to brush our teeth. Everything about us stinks. If it were not for deodorant and things, we can't be in this room. It's just a natural stinking. So the next time you see Procter and Gamble and those companies, give them an offering because they've done you a favor. Hallelujah. 
So I don't know why we are always sitting on these high horses. Because we don't even have to do anything. We just think by nature. But the grace of God that has brought us near. The blood of Jesus that has cleansed us. And, and, and God moving out of his place to live in us. And Jesus takes on a form like that. Hmm. Heaven, everything is perfect. In heaven, they don't have strife and problems. In heaven, everything works. Eh? This is Canada. In my hotel, the lights went off. Yes. And my water became cold. What a shock. Amen. But he took upon himself the form of a man. The child of God, a son of God, who is at par with God. He was there from the creational. And yet he took upon himself the form of a man. Why? So that he would obey the will of the Father. God wanted him to become a man. So that he would become a faithful and a merciful high priest. And it must have been a very difficult thing. Traveling all the way from heaven to earth. This earth. Fallen man. In his fallen state. And you are not just a king. You are the king of kings. The creator of the universe. And you take upon yourself the form of a man. Why? Because you have a servant spirit. And your aim is to please the father. And not to please yourself. Even when he was in the garden, he came to a difficult place. His humanity came out. And he said, father... If it be possible. The man who had been prophesying, I came to die. You know, the son of man is going to Jerusalem. He will be crucified there. In three days, the temple will be destroyed. It will be rebuilt. You know, I came to help give you life. When he faced death itself, his real mission, he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. This crucifixion. This being crucified naked. This shame. If it's possible, let it pass. And then what did he say? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. 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 Be done. Now I always say, by the way, that if crucifixion and all that happened to Jesus, the slapping, the spitting, was a cup, then your problems are teaspoons or drops. (laughs) But he took upon himself the form of a man. And he wrestled with that, always between humanity and divinity. You know, he cried as a man. He slept as a man. He ate as a man. He wept as a man. All this because of you and I. He took upon himself the form of a man. You, you are a man already. You are in a fallen state already and you can't take upon yourself the form of a servant. Hmm. The Lord should help you. Small education that you got. Small... You have become so high and mighty, you can't go through the door. Hmm. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I think I've spoken about that. But the spirit of servanthood is to lead us to obedience. I'll tell you, If I didn't have the grace to see myself as a servant, it's not everything that I would have obeyed. Some things are difficult. Some things are painful. You know, when my husband was going to Nigeria, it wasn't easy because Nigeria is different in terms of security. 
And then he wasn't even going to the capital cities. He was going to the hinterlands and sometimes the Muslim areas. And with this last journey, the Muslims also made a banner. What do you mean you are coming to preach about Jesus Christ, whatever? And it was humanly frightening. But I thought to myself, I always think to myself, what will I do? I said, God, I can just trust you. Because sometimes you may stay in Ghana, but whatever will happen to you will happen to you. You know, so you need to be in God's will. So when he went to Ede, this is just before Isa, he went to Ede. And before then, I'd been watching the news on BBC. Every time there were bombs, bomb blasts, 25 people had died. The army forces have gone in different parts of Nigeria. And I was thinking, is this the time to be going for this crusade? So I'll tell him, have you heard the news today? 25 people say, hey, let me check with my guys. Then you check with them. But every time I gave him more news, it didn't seem to change anything. <laughs> then they finally went. What can I do? I can just entrust them to God. And trust God that it will be okay. Because about two summers ago, I was in Daughter I Can Make It, or three summers, Atlanta, when they were attacked by armed robbers in the church. They started to shoot. My husband sent me a text. We've been attacked by armed robbers. Second text, a few seconds after, our policeman has been shot. Third text, I'm in shock. Fourth text, none. And I was preaching about, be still and know that I'm God. Look, before you preach a sermon, you must... And God, God brought them through. And when he came back, just before I said, he said to me, we pulled out all our tracks and everything. We've closed down Nigeria for now. I said, but you've been to Nigeria like eight times. We've closed down Nigeria for now. I said, why? Not knowing during the crusade, there was an anti-bomb squad. He saw a lot of security men around, but he didn't understand it. They were trying to detonate, uh, detonate a bomb. So many things were going on. That they didn't know it was after the crusade that they got to know. He said he just didn't understand why. Why about a hundred soldiers around him? Why this? Why? So when they asked them, oh, we are different squad. We are anti-bomb. What? <laughs> but I'm saying that to say that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient. And to death, even death on the cross. Because he has died for us, we can live. But I'm saying that humility and the servant spirit will lead you to be an obedient child of God. When you don't feel like forgiving that foolish husband of yours, obedience will help you to forgive him. Sometimes when I say that later, when people call in the radio, hey, do you remember you say forgiveness? Should I just forgive? I said, forgive, but... Philippians 1.9, let your love abound in all wisdom and knowledge. So that one too is part of the forgiveness. Amen. But when you are a servant, you just want to hear the master's orders. And you just want to do it. But many of us in the church of God, we don't even seek the master's voice. We don't look in his word to know what he wants. And we just do what we want to do. And then we begin to say, our lives are failing. Our, this is not working. Our marriages are not working. Because the one who made it has given you a manual. And you have put the manual down and decided to run it by your mother's experience, your girlfriend's experience, and that foolish boy's experience. And that's why it's not working. 
He humbled himself, not just humility, but unto obedience. Unto obedience. So the reason why we develop a servant spirit is so that we will put what we say we believe into action. You need humility. In every area of life, to obey God, you need humility. When I go into meetings, I am not moved by whether there are five people, ten people, fifty people. That is not what moves me. I'm moved by who sent me. What mandate did the person give me? What word did the person want me to bring to his people? That is the most important thing. So, any meeting, once the door opens, I've prayed about it, it must be God's way. If it's in a stadium, great. If it's in a classroom, great. If it's in a little uh, somebody's hall, great, because it's God. It's obedience unto the person who called me. In fact, if it were not the servant spirit and obedience, I would not be standing here today. Because I grappled with coming full time. I knew that God had called me, but I didn't know what it meant, number one. And then as I met my husband and followed him and all that, I began to understand what God was actually calling me to. But I wasn't ready. Because to me, I was a nice attorney. Do you understand? Minding my own business. And in my, to my mind, with good prospects, you know, with very, very, very good prospects. Because you have people in the department, they are ahead of you, you know how far they've gone. And beside that, people don't insult lawyers like they insult pastors. And people don't say that lawyers are thieves. But they say pastors are thieves, they're after our money, they are whatever. And at the end of the day, I just earn my salary. I don't have to encourage people to give before the church will also structure our salary pay taxes, and all these. Uh, then when I wear my shoes, you think it's from the offering. And uh, that is what was killing me. I couldn't obey the thought of it. You know? And I always say that, I'm sure that outwardly, and I'm ending soon, people were thinking that, oh, as for this bishop's wife, she's very humble. But God said to me, you are proud. I said, Father, me? Oh, you've got the wrong person. Look how humble I am. Eh? And the Lord said, there's pride in you. I said, Lord, why are you saying that? He said, because you say to yourself, I know my family background. Who told you that your family background is anything? Because, I, because when I would press, Lord, I, I know the time is now, and I want to obey you. But it's not you, Lord. It's the foolish people in the church, how they'll talk. <laughs> it's not you, Lord. You know, and I'll be thinking, I said, look, my father used to take me for holidays already. It's not now that I'm going to see America or see whatever. From my young age, I've gone on family holidays. And now, when people see, <laughs> if it's another church, you will not have to. Oh. <laughs> I said, Lord, by the grace of God, what they call poverty, I have not experienced. By the grace of I used to be in high school. And when they would send people away, you have not paid your fees. When, pay, you know, they put the list. I said, Lord, I wish my name were on this so that I go home. They are so lucky. But now as I've grown up, I say, hey, it's the least thing you should wish for yourself. I didn't know. So I thought about all that and I said, now I'm going to do ministry. I've heard how people talk. Even when you come, you say, pay your tithe because they want our money. Why? I don't need all this. I can prosper in private practice and come and give my tithe to God. And God said, you are proud. 
You think that your background, you think that your father, and so what? What are you? I was shocked. And the Holy Spirit broke me in the presence of God. And I said, Lord, you made yourself of no reputation. My children were then young. They went to school and they came and said, Mommy, when we say our mother is an attorney, it's very powerful. But when we say you are a pastor now, they, they say they're thieves. Yeah, they told our children all the time, thieves. You see? When we say daddy is a doctor, they smile. When we say he's not a pastor, they say thieves. <laughs> so I thought about it. I said, when my boss told me, it's okay for your husband to do it. One person is enough. But for you to go and join him, Adelaide, I think you should think twice. And she said, do you know men? They change. Men change. Are you going to follow this man into this? What about if the future he changes? And I thought about all that. But you must learn to wait on God. And he speaks to you when you do. And the Lord said to me, it's not your husband who has called you into ministry. It's me. He humbled himself unto death. Even death on the cross. Obedience. He became obedient. Servanthood is to lead us to obey God's will for your life. When you stand in heaven and God called you to be a preacher, but how would you answer? How would I have answered? Oh God, you know, because of the people, I decided to do my own thing. Oh God, because of the and sometimes when I see the people born again, the emails I get, the lives that say they have been touched. And if when I see my husband in these big crusades, people coming to give their lives to Christ, hey, if I had aborted this, if I had fought what God was doing, 1,200 churches break would be my judgment. As I stand before God, I say, hey, you did your female things. And you didn't allow him to obey me. And you freaked out. And I said, oh Lord, it was just him. So it was just him. Let me show you. 1,200 branches were supposed to be in 57 countries because of your female things crying. I love you. Come, honey. And all this foolishness. He was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Servanthood is supposed to lead us to obedience. And obedience is not always easy. I guarantee you. Amen. Hmm. Ah, wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The Bible says, wherefore, because of his humility which led to obedience, wherefore means therefore. And anytime you see therefore, you must ask, what is it therefore? That's what Dr. Fred Price says. Therefore is, what is it therefore? Wherefore, because of all these steps he took, God also had highly exalted. Highly. But at the mention of that name, but it takes a servant spirit taking on the form of it and obeying your mandate. Obedience. Obedience. We behave as if when God says, your body is the temple of the living God, don't fornicate. Then we behave as if God wants to take some pleasure from me. He doesn't want me to be happy. Who created sex in the first place? Was it your idea? It is God's idea. But he's just saying that celebrate that life in the right parameters. That's all he's saying. 
Some of you brothers, you are always struggling with your body, but you won't settle down and marry too. Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. Amen. The sisters are here. You won't see. You are always going outside. When you, when you bring to, we don't see. When you bring, we don't see. Amen, ladies. You won't propose. You'll just be around us. What do you have in your house for me to eat? What do you, whatever, whatever. Brother, speak the words. And sister, say yes. Wherefore, God also. Look, the promotion that comes from God is one that lasts. The promotion that comes from God is the blessing that adds no sorrow. When Jesus went through the cross, look at you and I, more than 2,000 years now, still, other religions may be the fastest growing, but they still have not caught up. Amen. And every religion acknowledges Jesus Christ. There's not even one of them. It is Christianity that says everybody is a thief and a robber. But all the others, oh, he was a great prophet. Oh, he's a great master. Nobody dares not, uh, uh, what, recognize him. No, oh, we don't have a problem. He's a prophet, but he's not the child of God. They can't say that he's not great. The Bible is the most read book in the world. God has exalted him. Amen. God has highly exalted him. And now, when you are even dealing with demons, you just have to say, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Once we were in a demonic session, when the church had first started, a lady just fell during the prayer meeting, and then we took her to the room, bishop's room then, in the medical school. And then bishop asked the spirit, what is your name? said, I'm fear, lust, and confusion. I came at this time, then Bishop said, come out in the name of Jesus. Then the demon said, I don't like this name. Stop it. I don't like this name. Stop it. I don't like this name. And Bishop said, when you come out, where will you go to? I was thinking, oh, is that a question? Anyway, <laughs> the demon said, I will go to Mr. This and that. He mentioned the name of surgical ward room number 25. That's where I'll go. And Bishop said, you will not go there in the name of Jesus. Come on. Oh, okay, okay. It's all right. Don't mention the name anymore. I'll just come out. Please, don't. God has highly exalted him. Before then, we were not using the name of Jesus. But when he went through humility and to obedience, God exalted him. When I look at my husband's life, the humility to obey, the humility to even allow God to do whatever he wants to do has brought us to great places. Great places. So now, when he's even invited, he cannot meet his schedule. Neither can I. That's why I say I'm surprised I'm standing in Canada. I cannot. And it's not even just Lighthouse. Even next year, the things I have lined up, as the people were saying it, I was just laughing. My Only God can make this possible. I cannot. Amen. When we go to Korea, we have the privilege of sitting with great, great men of God. We used to be, I don't know if we are still are, the youngest on the board. The youngest. 
Because the people on the board, Oral Roberts and other grown-ups. Benny Hinn, grown-ups. And we've had coffee and tea with all these people. Pass me the milk, the sugar. How is it? Ha <laughs> ha. What is it? Humility and obedience. Leads you to places that you don't even, you haven't planned. But we are so used to self-effort. I want to achieve this. I want to have this. Serve your way through. How did Rebecca find a husband? She was just self She didn't know that the servant was at the well. She just said, well, let me give you water. A woman, no. Running to the well, bringing the buckets, and after that, uh, giving water to all the camels. If it were you, you would say that, you know, you are the man. Will you please take the bucket? And uh, at least I'm providing a bucket. You understand? If you are like me, you don't like strenuous things. So you say, please take the bucket and try and feed the... But she didn't know. But that is what brought her husband. Just service. Service. She served her way through. The daughters of Zelolephad, we don't have time to read it. When they came, they said to Moses, our father didn't have any sons. And the law says that only sons can inherit. But you need to do something about it. Because our father served the Lord well. Your service even transcends to your children. And even laws can be changed because of your service to God. A servant spirit. A servant spirit. It will bring you before kings. It will bring you before great men. You know? Sometimes we've gone to places. And like a place like Singapore. When we ministered there. The last time I did the first service. And the bishop did second service. We invited us. That's what we should do. And in Singapore when you are going. You need a speaking visa. You don't just go. You get a visa. Then you need a speaking visa. And you must write the things you are coming to talk about. So, when we arrived, my speaking visa had been approved, but his had not been approved. And he was supposed to start preaching. So then the people came and said, okay, Bishop, then you are going to have to sit down on the first day and your wife opened the whatever. In the end, in the evening, his speaking visa came. And then I spoke first service, he spoke second service. And what they do in Singapore, the church, it's a big, nice church, is that after the preacher has preached, then the pastor comes and says, we need to take a love offering for the preacher and his wife. So they give what they want to give. And that becomes what they give you as a preacher. Do you understand? That becomes your honorarium. So they took this offering. And then the pastor was going to see us up at the airport. He said that since I started the church, I've never seen a big offering like this before for any preacher from the grand and all the big people have been there. I've not seen anything like that before. And then also when, when, when they take the honorarium after that, you have to go to the Singapore police or whatever and pay all your taxes before you leave. Because after all, they gave you a speaking visa. I'm saying that to say that sometimes we labor with our own effort for things. But God is bringing you things that you haven't planned, you couldn't have imagined, you couldn't have cooked up for yourself. Why? The spirit of servanthood and to obedience. He humbled himself unto death, even death on the cross. May that spirit come upon you. May the spirit of pride leave you because it brings strife. It brings vain glory. I chase out that spirit in the name of Jesus. And let each esteem the other better than himself. Stand to your feet, please. Shall we pray? 
I need the choir to help me to raise a song. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. God, ask him to give you the spirit of a servant. And then that will help you to humble yourself. Ask him, Lord, work on my heart. If there's pride in me, show me. And don't just show me, deal with it. Give me the right spirit. Help me to have lowliness of mind. Help me to be able to make myself of no reputation. Help me to be able to humble myself unto obedience. I need your grace. I need your help to do that. Talk to God. It's not just a formality. Talk to him for the things in our hearts we cannot see. Ask him to set your heart. Pride is what brought Satan down. Tell him, Lord, I don't want it to be found in me. I've based all my value on my achievements, on my job, on my standing in society. And sometimes even on nothing. Today I empty myself of everything that is self. I take upon myself the form of a servant. By your grace and by your mercy. You are here this afternoon. You don't know Jesus as your savior. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to be the Lord of my life anymore. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I want to be sure. If you are here like that, just lift up your hands high above your shoulder. And I'll pray with you. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to start all over with God. You want to be sure whether you go to heaven or hell. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. Some of you have to start all over again with God. You are like that this afternoon. Just lift up your hand above your shoulder. And I'll pray for you wherever you are. Lord, I pray for all the hands that are lifted up. And I pray that you touch them where you are. You've lifted up your hands. Do one more thing for me. Just come forward. I want to stand with you in prayer. I want to lead you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to make a difference through God in your life. If you lifted up your hands, please come forward. Every sin and set me free. All to Jesus I surrender. All. If you put up your hand, come forward, come forward. You need a new beginning with God. All to Him. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. Forget about pride and come as you are. Will ever love and trust Him in His presence day. I surrender all. Surrender all. You've tried to do it your way. All to be my 
hands, close your eyes and say this prayer after me and mean it with your own, with your whole heart. God loves you and God is pleased with your step and God wants to embrace you. Say after me, Lord Jesus, this afternoon I come to you just as I am. Please take my life and make me a new person. Jesus, thank you for coming to die on the cross for my sake. Thank you for rising from the dead for my sake. Because you live, I shall live also. I accept your gift of salvation. I thank you that at this very moment my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for making me a child of God in Jesus' name. Satan, I break every link with you in the name of Jesus. Christ has set me free. And I'm free indeed. Amen. Hallelujah. Give them a hand. God bless you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. You are born again today. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.